Entertainment in the car has graduated from the old radio and tape days to today's high-end systems made specifically for certain brands. Coming up next on AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine This Week has been provided by Borg Warner. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine This Week. You know, when most people go out to buy a car, they look at things like the fuel economy or the safety or a number of things. But a lot of people want to know about the sound system. In fact, a lot of people will buy a car based on the sound system. And that is what we're talking about today because we've got several experts in the room with us right now, including Alan Norton. He's a senior technical leader for automotive audio systems at the Lincoln Motor Company. Brandon Wheeler is the manager of customer programs at Harman, a company that makes all kinds of sound systems. And Tom Murphy is a friend and colleague of mine at Ward's Auto, and great having all three of you here today. Thanks for having us. Alan, why don't I start with you? I think for a lot of people outside the industry, they don't know how much goes into engineering a sound system in a car. They think you just put in the radio, you put in the speakers, you're good to go. Walk us a bit through the process and give us an idea of just how involved it is. Oh, there's, there's a lot more involved than that. So the, you, the design starts way back at the, the concept phase when you know, you're just looking at the, the general shape of the vehicle in, in sketch form. Um, things like positioning of speakers, um, the number of speakers we're going to have, where the passengers are in the vehicle. And it's taken through um, when the actual the CAD, the, the actual design of the vehicles being put together. In parallel to that, there's the design of the actual transducers themselves. So the speakers are all designed for their application where they are, and the electronics that goes with that, the amplifiers and DSPs, which I think we might talk about a little bit later, a little bit more. And then finally, when we do get a, a physical vehicle, we, we have uh, hundreds of hours of listening and tuning and tweaking and making sure we get it how we intended to do it. So, Brandon, you're at the supplier. Do you come in and tell these guys, no, you got to change your design here so we can put the speakers here so it's going to sound better? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of work that, <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes into that. I mean, I, you think of where the speaker's placed. Uh, I think a lot of people just, and even sometimes we take it for granted, the speaker's just in the door, the, the amplifier's connected, it works, right? But um, there's a lot more that goes into it. We have to look at the interaction of the materials around it, um, how it's mated to the doors or even the IP. Um, the grill material, all those things are, are contributors definitely to the, the audio quality, just how natural it sounds, right? Um, so in the early phase, like when we have the CAD data, we're looking at, well, where's the speaker placed? How's it angled? Um, where are the occupants in the vehicle? So there's a lot of things that go into really designing a, a great audio system um, because all those things matter. There's reflections in the vehicle. There's, you know, there's absorption that you have from the materials in the vehicle. You know, cloth to leather, there's even a, a different response with the vehicle due to the, the seating material. So, um, there's definitely a huge, huge factor, and we try and take that into consideration really early on to make sure that we get a, a great system just before we even get the vehicle. So if you're tuning a vehicle for a new audio system, do you actually put dummies in the car so that they're absorbing or reflecting sound? And depending on what they're wearing also, as you talk about the type of clothing, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a leather jacket or it's a, or it's a suit coat or something. Mm -hmm. Does that impact, I mean, do you get that far into it? We, we do, we, we get somewhat into that, but really before we even get in considera uh, considering those effects, we really start with just our, we actually use a mic array to, to measure basically the, the variation between a seating height of, of different occupants. Um, and then we go from actually sitting in the car and listening, and normally once we have people in the car, we're already kind of simulating those effects, right, when you have somebody that's wearing just a standard clothes or um, 
you know, you get in and you're driving it because we actually do take the cars on the road and we test them as well. So all those things are starting to, are, are taken into consideration definitely very early on, even from the second prototype build to where we're on the road, we're testing, we're listening, um, we're taking measurements to really understand how are we affecting the audio system, but also how are we perceiving it in these different environments? Because it's not just static, you listen to the, to the audio system, and that's actually the least amount you listen to it. You're, you're driving a car, right? So um, we do a lot of testing in those different realms to understand those effects for sure. How long does it take to install, uh, not, not physically install out on the assembly line, but to figure out, to fully engineer the system, how long does it take? Well, it runs in parallel with, with the vehicle's development. So it, we, we've, the Continental that's on the road right now, Brandon and I have been talking about probably for two to three years um, and to get to the point where it is today. You know, one of the really nice things with, with the Lincoln programs that we've been able to do with the Revel brand is we've actually got audio as a priority. So what you'll often see if you take a look at um, some vehicles, you can see that the, the cup holder one over the speaker or the position for the, for the, uh, the Kleenex box was, was much more important than the, than the location for the center speaker. Um, we got buy-in really early on from the senior leadership of the, of the company. So we've been able to really get you know, the right decisions made as we've gone along and not have to try and work around things later. So this whole sequence that he just described that we're doing at the end becomes so much easier if the physicals of the vehicle are right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then even working with the program teams, you know, trim teams and um, in other areas, we really have to kind of express why we're doing these things. But I think a lot of the programs, normally when we go to the, the higher levels, the chief engineers, they understand because um, you know, we, we use a process to benchmark vehicles and to show where's this going to perform in the segment. And by benchmarking, I'm really talking about the audio quality. Basically, how do we gauge where this vehicle um, is going to rate in the competitive segment and how are people going to perceive it, right? Um, so we use a lot of data like that to also leverage, this is why we really want to put the speaker here or this is why we, we want this many speakers, you know? Um, so there's a lot of work that goes in on the front end, but I, I think so far the results are, you know, you can hear them for yourself that they're really paying off. It's really truly, I think, a great system. And it's one of our, from the benchmarking scores, is one of our best systems that we have on the road today. And, and of course, you're talking about the Revel system, which is a, a branded name right. within the, the Lincoln Continental. Right. Yes. Right. Do you have the latitude, though, uh, to go to senior management and say, no, you're, the materials that you've sourced for this interior, they're, they're too hard or else they're too soft. There's not a good balance. There's too much hard plastic. Or we don't like the grade of that leather because it's not going to create the right the right environment for the sound system that we are creating for your car. Is, is, is there much give and take uh, to that extent? There's, there's a good level of give and take. I mean, to be honest, the, the choice of the leather versus the, the acoustic targets isn't really quite as critical, but things like grills are really yes. yep. significant. And indeed, we, we, we started off with a grill that looked very good, but didn't have the acoustic transparency we mm -hmm. needed. So we had to change the design of the grill. That's an amazing um, statement because in the, in the Continental, there's these beautiful speaker grills with all the different kinds of holes in them. I'm sure the designers set that pattern and you must've come back and go, uh-uh, that, not that pattern. The original one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we went through, I think, three to four revisions on that, on that pattern before we really said that's gonna work. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that's where you learn and that's why these systems, I think, keep maturing and becoming even better is because there's not only a relationship we build, but also an understanding and knowledge of 
how Lincoln wants to execute the interiors of their vehicles, but also how we want to execute our audio systems. So um, we start to learn from what grill patterns are we going to use, um, testing them in an anechoic chamber. Also, again, there's, there's the other interactions. It's not just the grill, because sometimes the speaker has to be at a certain angle to the interior, so that has to mate in a certain way, so there's a substrate. So not just putting a tube on it, which actually causes mid-range honkiness and things of that nature. Um, so starting to flare edges and really getting creative and solutions to make the audio system, again, just sound so much more natural. Less coloration, less, less effects from the materials, you know, in the, in the very end. So. Premium audio systems have become so popular. I mean, not just at the high end, like in the Continental, but at entry-level vehicles, there's almost always going to be a premium audio system that's mm -hmm. available. Mm -hmm. uh, yet it's very subjective in terms of deciding, yes, this is, this is the, the best sound system that I've ever heard. Or, um, how are consumers supposed to be deciding between, you know, and and are, and are consumers even going that far as picking cars based on that's the sound system that I want? Well, you want to go for it? Oh, I'd certainly love to think they were. Doing that. <laughs> um, it's obviously a priority. Um, one of the things that, that we do um, very diligently is look at customer feedback. So if, if you buy a new, a new, a new Lincoln vehicle uh, or a Ford vehicle, um, a few months after you receive it, you'll, you'll, get, you'll, you'll get a survey. And we read every single comment that comes back from those things. And that really does tell us that audio, the interaction with the audio system and the way it performs is something which customers really value, especially when it doesn't do what they expect. Um, it's, it's, it certainly uh, is up there. In terms of the, the target, um, so our ideal audio system is one that gets, gets to the point where the person that originally recorded the music would say, yes, this is how I intended it to, to, uh, to sound. And in fact, one of the things we do with, with Revel um, is spend a lot of time encouraging engineers and ourselves as well, listening to consumer Revel high-end audio speakers as well. That's our reference. Mm -hmm. um, we, we were talking earlier, and there's a, the situation you often come into is where you'll be listening to the system at the very end before you're about to, to let it out. And there's a piece of music where a note just keeps on irritating you. Mm -hmm. And after fiddling with it for ages and not being able to fix it or maybe making other things worse, you go and listen to it in the reference room and it's actually on the recording. So, you know, so it's very, really important to, to go back to, to that, that reference. Do you find that there are a lot of premium audio systems out there that don't achieve that level of you know, um, doing what the artist originally wanted in terms of the recording? I think so. Um, certainly uh, there are some which have a characteristic, a, a smiley face EQ, is a, so you, you have a very increased bass and a very bright treble. Mm -hmm. um, that certainly isn't the, the target of the systems that, that we've been engineering together. Mm -hmm. What about f different customers in different countries? I know certainly colors can vary in popularity from region, materials definitely can, even the smell of leathers mm -hmm. can be very different from say Asia to North America to Europe. What about from a sound standpoint, Brandon? Do, do, do people in Europe or Asia or North America want different characteristics? Uh, I think there is some inherent um, differences in what we hear, and there's even a great uh, research paper that shows the difference between um, you know, people's voices and their flexion even regionally from languages. But I think um, you look at the, the sound that normally in the, the Americas that we like, um, more modern music, more, most people like a little bit more bass than some other music, at least the younger generation does. Um, and I think that's sometimes why we see this trend of smiley faces that I think we're more exposed to it here in the U.S. because that's what's more popular sometimes. Um, but I know even with the spatial, uh, what, normally what we say is left, center, and right, you know, where instruments or, or vocalists are placed in the image, um, 
that effect of where they're at is even different. I know in, in Europe, um, normally they like the vocalist or the center image to be actually over the steering wheel. Whereas in the U.S., we try and aim to be a little bit more to the right or even at center of the vehicle. Basically, we say like at the hood ornament, you know, um, for the vocalist. So that definitely does have some impact regionally. But I think overall, though, people still have the same perception of what they like in good audio. I think I think there's some deviation sometimes. But again, I think once we get down to really the um, the nitty-gritty, I think it really is similar. I think people have the same subjective feeling for what is good audio. So what we've, about we've never argued about where the image should be, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. What about audio platforms, though, from region to region? Uh, here in the U.S., it's hard to buy a car today that has a CD player in it. Mm -hmm. And there might still be regions of the world where people want cassette players. So how do you, you know, since everybody's wanting to develop world cars that are the same, you know, from market to market. Is it difficult to accommodate so many different needs in terms of what people are listening to, whether it's MP3s or whether it's um, mostly satellite radio or whether it's cassettes mm -hmm. or something else? Um, Eight tracks. At least from our side, from the supplier side, you know, we, we look at it regionally from the standpoint of normally these vehicles are built in different regions, so we, one, have to start out from where it's originating from, but there are, are also variants. So that gives us actually the leverage to try and make those variant changes based on the regions. Um, so we'll have multiple EQs for different variants of vehicles. Mm -hmm. So if it's a European-style car, and we know that's just normally Europe, um, we normally have it benchmarked in Europe, so we have, again, a, a listening pool that's based heavily out of Europe. Um, but then we do the same thing for American cars as well. We have them benchmarked here, actually in our office in Novi. So we do some of that research to make sure that we're covering, you know, what is good sound from the perception of um, males, females, different ages, and all those things. But they're trained listeners. So again, we're trying to take some of that, um, I guess you could say, subjective bias out of it by using more of an objective approach to really having trained listeners, you know, verify is this good sound or not. Um, so we do look at it from a platform and variant standpoint for sure. But I think, again, once we, once we get down to what is good sound, I think we're able to really find out that um, it's really more of just, is it an even response? Um, <clears throat> does the spatial accuracy, uh, is, it, is it really focused or is it blurry? You know, there's certain elements that people look for and they don't even realize they're doing it, you know, so. So in terms of the media, the way, where you were going with the question in terms of CD and so on, um, if you look at automotive, it's, it's following the consumer trend. So CD usage is absolutely going down, even where we still have vehicles with it. Um, our customer feedback is telling us that it's not being used as much. Streaming is becoming the, uh, you know, the predominant alternative to live radio via uh, either satellite or, or FM broadcast, actually, is still very popular. Um, and that actually is a problem in the audio world because we've got a, you know, a multi-thousand dollar retailing audio system with, with the cutting edge DSP technology and, and loudspeakers. And unfortunately, people are listening to very poor audio sources. So that's one of the challenges for our industry as we're moving forward. Is that even in the case of like high definition FM broadcast? That's still only really about as good as a very good MP3. Mm -hmm. it's, still, it's, still a, it's still a lot. So what you're saying is satellite radio, streaming music through your phone or a, a thumb drive really is not a very good source of music. Um, we make the most of it we can. Um, and you know, it's a different target really. You, you're not listening to those medias because you want an audiophile experience. But one of the things that we're constantly discussing is how do we make it more accessible so that, you know, that what the system can do, that making your hairs on your arms stand up or the, you know, the, uh, the effect of hearing amazing music, 
um, how do we make that accessible to, to customers? And that's, that's the challenge for all of us moving forward, and that's got to be in some form of streaming as, as we move forward. Yeah. Another challenge is Tom, Tom and I drive, test drive a lot of cars a year. I, I, I myself probably test drive about 100 cars. And jumping in and out of different cars, trying to get the audio system to work can be a major pain in the neck. I mean, even just trying to go from FM to AM at some times, you got to search for it all. Is this something that you also address when you put together your sound systems is, is try to give the owner a lot of opportunity to adjust the sound as he or she may want it, but maybe not make it too complicated? So the way, way we approach that is um, you know, we look at the overall user experience. Um, we, we do a thing called um, journeys. We look at a journey wheel, which is you look at you know, your use case there, I'm getting into a strange vehicle for the first time, and I'm trying to change a radio source. And we'll watch you do that, and then look at the pain points on your journey as you do that in micro detail. Um, then we try to design, or we take that, that input and we put it into the HMI, the, the interface of the vehicle's design. So you'll, you'll see SYNC 3, our latest generation, is significantly you know, refined in terms of how quickly you can get between things and then the experience you have with it is really good. Um, in terms of the audio system, we, we want to allow customers, there is taste, right? it's not, not a case that we can tell you what you need to listen to, so we have the ability to, to make fine adjustments. Um, but what, we try and, what we're always trying to have in, as a priority there is that the refinement isn't lost. So you can salt and pepper, is the, the expression that one of our engineers likes to use, the sound. And you can change the sound stage or the, the amount of immersion you're getting with, with QLS surrounding the Revel system. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not adding um, artifacts. It's not putting in reverb or making the music something it isn't. It's, it's still remaining true to the to the source that, that, that it started out with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned reverb. I, I noticed the introduction of a bit more reverb than I'm used to in, in certain songs that I've been listening to all my life. And uh, so we spent some time in the Continental with the, for our uh, 10 Best Interiors evaluation. Lovely interior, great sound system, really liked the Revel experience. Um, but uh, And there are three grades. Have, I don't know if you've if you've been in this yet, but you can start with the system off, or you can go to on stage, where you're like on stage with the band performing, or you're in the audience. So when you're in the audience, there's a little bit more reverb that's that's introduced. But can you talk about those stages, those three different, you know, how it's how it is differing for people within the cabin of the car? Well, it's optimized for every position. So one of the one of the nice things about the Lincoln systems is that it does if you, you get a really good rear seat experience as well as sitting in the driver's seat. Um, but you described it very well. So uh, off is basically stereo. So that's what, you know, th that's the one we, we, we end up tuning first most of the time. Mm -hmm. But that's still surround sound? No, it's, it's basically an image process. across the front. So yeah. it's equivalent to listening to your high-end audio system at home sitting in front, of a, okay. you know, in front of the speakers. There is obviously sound from behind because there's also a stereo image for the people um, behind you as well. That you, you can't separate the two, the two zones. Um, so that's really the audio file setting. The, the audience mode, as you, as you described, is, is basically moving back from, from that soundstage and getting some of the ambience around you. One of the key things, though, is that the QLS algorithm isn't adding effects. It's actually time slicing uh, or positionally slicing the, the soundstage and repositioning it in the vehicle. Yep. So one of the, one of the key 
nice things about QLS is if you take all the slices and put them back together, you end up with stereo again. So you've not you've not added artifacts not there. And on stage really is a bit of fun. So it's it's doing the same thing, but putting the band around you. You can tell the it's like musicians are moving inside the cabin with you. It's mm -hmm. Like oh, that voice wasn't there yeah. before. Now it is because I made a switch. You hear Sting's footsteps go behind you. Yeah. Um, it's but yeah, it's it's um, it's a it's a nice experience. Yeah. Brandon, one thing I wanted to ask you about is a technology that Harmon's working on. I think you guys call it individual sound zones. Mm -hmm. I call it the cone of silence. <laughs> and just to explain it briefly for the audience, it's where you can have five people in a car, they can all be listening to different music at different volumes, and the, the people sitting around the car will only hear what they're listening to. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if a phone call comes in, they can take a phone call and still not hear what others are listening to, even though it might be quite loud for each one of those people. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a demonstration of this a couple of years ago by Harmon. I was knocked out by it. Mm -hmm. Is this coming to production any day? Um, well, we're, we're working on the technology, obviously, um, but it's something that we definitely want to bring to production for sure. Um, there's a lot of benefits to it, but I think the biggest thing that we have to realize, too, is that um, for IC to really truly work to, well, we have to get really well, or, we have to get great cooperation within, um, you know, our automotive companies to actually place speakers where we need them. The big thing about ISC is that it works uh, really closely with the placement of the speakers because we have to be able to cancel as well as isolate certain elements of the music um, or other sources that are in the vehicle. So um, the challenge for us is not how soon can we get it there, it's how can we implement everything into it, um, uh, into the vehicle speaker-wise to actually make this really work um, to the best of its ability. Obviously, we don't want to put something out that's not truly doing what, he w what we want it to do. Um, but I, I, it is pretty impressive what you can do with ISZ. And the, the, the ability to have somebody take a phone call in the front seat and pass it behind them or, or no longer have prompts going to everybody in the car, mm -hmm. um, I think that's really something different in the industry that you, you just don't see. Um, so it's, it's quite exciting, and I think it definitely brings something new um, to the in-car experience, especially for larger um, sedans or you know people who are normally uh, driving four to six people around in a car. Um, that allows you to really, I guess, separate all these different elements. You know, kids with a movie in the back, you're driving up north. That's a great example. You know, you don't want to hear uh, Lilo and Stitch in the back, you know, while you're trying to drive. So you can separate those things out. So I, I think it's it's really exciting, and, it, and you'll definitely see more on it, definitely to, to come for sure. Is this setting us up for autonomous cars where we're all going to have our own little pod within a car, even without walls in between. <laughs> that because, would be... Because, I mean, if, if the driver doesn't have to really focus on the road, then mm -hmm. you're opening the door to mm -hmm. on-road parties if you want, really, because yeah. everybody can yep. be doing their own thing. Um, so, I mean, I, it, it has to open the door pretty wide for things you can do with audio mm -hmm. systems well into the future. I, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth, actually. So the, that is one of the key things. If you look at the way the vehicle's evolving mobility the way you, know, you, you may be sharing a vehicle with somebody you don't know and don't want to talk to um, necessarily and I, it may be time to tell you that your stop is coming on our ride share and you don't need to disturb everybody else mm. so there are lots of applications for, for that kind of technology that will open up as we move forward. Yeah. I'm curious about you two personally do you have perfect pitch I mean how do you know when you get this all engineered that you go, yeah, that's it. This is the sound. We, we have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect pitch, normally, when I, when I hear that, I think more if I sing an A, I actually hit an A. Right. Um, 
I definitely am not perfect pitch in that regard. Um, but well, for maybe, myself, pitch maybe might have been the wrong word, but a trained a, a ears, trained ear. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, going through um, just being a fan of music, I think you can actually train yourself. But there's a lot more to it as well. It's, it's training listening from the aspect of not just spectral but spatially um, dynamics. There's a lot of elements to music that I think people. You just don't realize it until you find something, and even a, a good song, you don't realize it's a good song because of those elements are really truly embedded in that music. You know, um, I, I guess I would say I'm a trained ear, and, and at work sometimes they call it an expert ear, basically because you've tr you've tuned vehicles, you know, long enough, you you know what to listen for, you know what interactions are going on. So, um, I guess you could say I'm a, I'm a trained listener. Um, it may be just a bit overcritical of audio systems sometimes. Uh, you know, when you walk into somebody's house and you say, well. Those are pretty good speakers, and they say, "Oh, it's fantastic." You just kind of have to hold back your opinion sometimes. And say, "Yeah, it's pretty good," you know. So, it's a blessing and a curse as well because new music comes out, and you want to pick everything apart, you know, instead of just listening and enjoying. Sometimes, so that's yeah. good. How about you, Alan? I, I never thought of this. You know, it's one thing to tune a guitar, but you guys are tuning cars. Well, yeah. Um, I think we both are certainly very critical listeners. We spend a lot of time listening to, to fine details, and actually value each other's opinions. We, we very rarely disagree when something's wrong. Um, <laughs> when you get to the point where you think you're finished though, we really need data to drive those decisions. So you know, it, we cannot sign off a vehicle on one person's opinion and that's where this, this process comes in again where you look at, okay, statistically how people have evaluated vehicles in the past and making sure that you are going to really address the, the, the demographic of, you know, a very wide demographic of customers. So um, for the number of speakers in a system, Revel has what? There, well, there's two. There's Revel and then, and then there's Revel Ultima, and one has 19 speakers? Uh, depending on the vehicle, 19 to 20. 19 to 20, okay. And how do you keep the weight out of those speakers, though? Because that's, you know, weight is the enemy of every vehicle development program, and it's got to be difficult when you've got magnets in these mm -hmm. speakers, especially the big ones. Mm -hmm. It's got to be hard to keep the weight down, yet you still want the great sound. And we need a quick answer. We're down to the end. So the quick and short is basically we use a combination of neodymium speakers, um, so neo magnets we call them, and also um, some of the larger drivers are ferrite, but um, they're high efficiency. So basically what that means is that they don't need as much power to output uh, a lot of sound. Um, so with the help of the amplifier, we're actually able to get higher efficiency out of the speaker while driving the magnet size down. Um, so by doing both of those elements, we're able to take some of the weight out. And obviously, we're always looking for ways to kind of improve on the weight savings as well. So. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, Alan Norton, Brandon Wheeler, Tom Murphy, thank all of you. A very interesting discussion on audio systems and cars, and hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Underwriting for Autoline this week has been provided by Borg Warner.